This is Not Quite Dead, a gal pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies, but sometimes we really just like to keep it shallow. I'm your host, Kate. I'm Megan. Get ready for all the spoilers. We are talking about the menu today just dropped on streaming as of January 3rd. So very, very fresh. We're super excited. This is really the first time we're doing new movies as they come out. We've done special editions for Purge and for Saw because those hold a special place in our hearts. But, you know, last year I really got a lot of FOMO. There were so many good movies that came out and we didn't really cover them. Me too. And I feel like with the current clickbaity journalism headlines, a lot of times a movie will be on streaming for only maybe two weeks before the headlines start having spoilers in them. And I hate horror movie spoilers more than anything. You guys might feel the same. And so hopefully we can get these episodes out to you so that you know, you can listen to this episode shortly after you've watched it, but before you've been spoiled. If you haven't seen this movie yet, make sure to pause, take a break, go listen to one of our other podcasts. If you're like us and you've seen this once, maybe even twice, because it's pretty good. Let's get into it. This is a great horror satire. It would have been great for our comedy season. This one was a true black comedy. I will love to later get into the genre play that's happening here, but I felt like it hit a lot of really hot takes (laughs) that people have been talking about recently. It had a very eat the rich (laughs) thesis (laughs) going along with it. (laughs) There are so many bits of our society that are being satirized in this movie. There's entitlement. There is the artist who is not appreciated and taken for granted. There is just the idea of being satisfied with the life that you have and not needing to step on other people for it. All of that's in this movie. And this movie has a great cast. It has a stellar cast. We have Anya Taylor-Joy. She's so hot right now. <laughs> she's in everything. Oh my gosh. She's in everything. Yeah. <laughs> she's our little the witch darling. She is. Yeah. This is not our first Anya Taylor-Joy jaunt in this podcast. No. And her companion in the movie is played by Nicholas Holt. He plays Peter from that Catherine the Great show. He's so good. Mm -hmm. And he's such a twerp. He is. He's so good at playing these needly little characters. I love it. We have the inimitable Rafe Fiennes. He's so good. So good. He's basically like, Another version of his Red Dragon character in this. Yes. Oh my gosh, that's a really good callback too. We also have a great appearance, totally unexpected, from John Leguizamo. Yes, I know. I was like, oh, he's doing stuff again. He was in Violent Night, which just came out at the end of 2022. And I didn't realize he was in so many movies at the same time. So it was Mm -hmm. really nice to see him again. I also loved seeing Hong Chow. Mm-hmm. who this is the second time I'm dropping this movie this season from the whale. She plays the the nurse. She's so good. And I this is only my second time seeing her in a movie. And I hope to see a lot more of her. She has a pretty 
great role in the HBO series Watchmen. Okay. Yeah. Highly recommend checking that out. It's not horror, but very good. And we also see the woman from Ozark. I didn't write down her name. I just wrote down woman from Ozark. She's the main baddie until she's not. (laughs) I don't want to give too many spoilers for Ozark, but she plays the food critic. Yes. Janet McTeer. Thank you. I knew you would save me. I wrote it down. No worries. <laughs> this was directed by Mark Mylod, who is best known right now for Succession. And one of the finance bros in the movie is also in Succession. Yeah, I hadn't seen them in anything, but I haven't watched Succession. So yeah, the those actors are kind of more like bit roles and like other things. One of the guys is from Broad City. They've been in other stuff, but not as big of names. This movie had a budget of $30 million. As of the beginning of January, the box office is $74 million. So Holy uh, crap. Yeah. So it's doing pretty good. Amazing. This movie centers around an excursion to a private island for a very private and special dinner. Before we get into the plot, Kate, I have to ask, do you have any idea of how much this would cost? Because I really want to do one of these one day. <laughs> so this is an extremely exclusive restaurant experience. It's not just a meal that you're paying for. You're paying for the boat ride and the wine that you get on the boat, the tour of the property and everything. They do say in the movie that it is $1,250 per person. I actually think that that's kind of reasonable when you think about how more quote-unquote accessible places like French Laundry up in Napa can easily run $500 plus a person, not including a wine pairing for just a dinner (laughs) and a tour of their property too. But you're not getting the boat experience. You're not getting only 12 people in a restaurant that's only seating twice a year. Yeah, I think I missed where they called out how much it costs, but I don't think any number would have surprised me. Honestly, <laughs> this feels a little you're right. It feels a little low for what happens in this movie and the amount of care that is put into the food that is prepared. So, good uh, good call out if i if i can ever save up for it i definitely would like to have my own the menu experience without the ending that this had <laughs> but kate i think we need a plot summary so that we can dig into the details yes yeah, so this movie is about margot a young woman and her date tyler who has invited her on this restaurant experience at this highly, highly coveted, very exclusive restaurant called Hawthorne. They and a very select few other elite wealthy people are taken through a coursed meal that becomes progressively more deranged as the courses go. It raises the stakes as the movie progresses to the point where Eventually, it is revealed that the goal of the menu is that all patrons and all restaurant staff will die by the end of the night. So one of the biggest set pieces is the coursed experience in the restaurant itself. I want to talk about this food. 
Yes. And I think this is such a cool tie-in actually to the last movie we talked about, which was The Ring, which was broken up by day. Mm -hmm. This movie is broken up by course. Mm -hmm. It starts when they're on the boat over, which I thought was super cool. Like the idea of getting on a boat and being handed a drink and a snack. Great. I love it. I love it too. I really love how they had the text overlay with the description of what they were Mm -hmm. eating, not just the name and the course number, but also the very restaurant style description of what they're eating. And it reminded me of watching, you know, the the documentary that gets name dropped multiple times in this movie, Chef's Table, where they're doing this very elevated presentation of what they're eating. So you're, you're like experiencing it like they're experiencing it in a way. Yeah, and they start us off proper with an amuse-bouche. It's a little scallop that they harvest from the sea that day. Super cool. Mm -hmm. It's got some roe in it. What else? It has just iced salt water. They're very conscientious of being an ecosystem. And I got to say, I knew going into this movie that it was about restaurant experience, that it was a possibly kind of a black comedy. And so I kept on waiting for the other shoe to drop that this was going to turn into cannibalism or they were going to be served (laughs) dog or something. Like, I don't know. I was like waiting for something to start going wrong with what they were being served. And so I liked seeing, you know, the beginning of, oh, they're watching this guy harvest scallops and here is the scallop. (laughs) The first couple of courses seem pretty straightforward. After the amuse-bouche is the first course where they are served the island and they Mm -hmm. are asked not to eat, but to taste, Mm -hmm. to savor. Good advice. It is. It's very telling of how pretentious they've made the act. Eating is nutritive. It's good for your body. You have to do it. And this is like, no, we're not doing this because it's (laughs) to sustain you. We're doing this as a life experience together. We're not doing this because we have to. We're doing it because we want to. Mm-hmm. I love the first course because it's everything collected from the island. It's called the island. My favorite part is that it has slightly frozen seawater that melts as it flavors the dish. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds gross, but that sounds really interesting. I love it when you're eating oysters and it has that briny salt water quality to it. So I thought it made sense. I mean, yeah, it's so unique. The next dish that was the bread without bread starts to get into that pretension of the theater of what's happening. And that's something that the food critic talks about a lot. She's like, oh, it's, it's theater. It's Japanese minimalism. It's not about the food. (laughs) It's about what the food is saying or what the food is not saying. Right. This is when they first start getting fucked with, when they're like, oh, this is not comfortable. It's weird. It's not what I would expect. I think what is so great about this meal is that they're also insulted right before they eat it. They don't deserve bread. They yeah. they don't get bread. They're not common. They're mm-hmm. different. And it's said in such a way that makes it sound like, you're not common. You're better than common, but they're not. They're actually worse than common. Yeah. So you get nothing. (laughs) No bread, only accompaniments. (laughs) I liked how 
you start to see the class divides from this point on because you have Margot, who is a new invitee to this crowd, Thea Tyler, is like, this is stupid. Why would they not just give us bread? And then you have the these finance bros who are like, just give us bread. They try to name drop their way to bread. <laughs> yes. You see the people who are not born into wealth or have lived in wealth for a long time, the like nouveau riche people, like the finance bros, even the actor, John Leguizamo, are like, you're kidding me, right? You're going to give us bread. Whereas the older couple who's very used to this kind of thing, the food critic, they're like, oh, well, what is the message here? It's about what the bread is not saying. So you don't get bread. Oh my God. This is where the food critic also says she makes her own yeast and I want to slap her. I know, of course. <laughs> the third course is paired with a wine that offers a faint sense of longing and regret, which is extremely telling for what these guys are about to be eating. This is the chicken thigh course, right? This is taco night, Kate. Oh, this is taco, taco Tuesday. Ta- oh, taco yeah. Tuesday. Okay, this one, once the reveal happens, you would just have to know that things are going to go downhill from here if you're one of these patrons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We get the uh, story to start us off with. I don't want to skip that. That's part of this meal. Chef tells us this story about his alcoholic father coming home and strangling his mother with a phone cord. And to defend her, he stabs him in the thigh. But this is exactly what is served at the meal. It's a thigh that's been stabbed. A chicken thigh. Great. A chicken thigh. Yeah, because not a human. I, We're not getting into cannibalism yet. At this point, I'm still waiting. I'm like, okay, when are they going to serve us, man? <laughs> yeah. Right? That's what you think is going to happen this whole time. I'm waiting for them to serve up a person or take a guest and turn them into the meal. That's the kind of thing I'm expecting from this movie still yes. at this point. But then they bring out the tortillas for the tacos. Yes. And it's soon as he mentioned that they were trying to keep up with the times and they got a laser engraving printer to print on the tortillas, I was like, there's going to be something real fucky printed on these tortillas. (laughs) Yeah. And I wasn't expecting it to be different per person, but I'm glad it was. Me too. I was really glad to see that it was blackmail. I think that the specific blackmail they have over each of the guests really wildly varies. (laughs) It's not like they're all murderers or like really, truly bad people. I mean, the finance bros, they're committing fraud. Of course they're committing fraud. (laughs) The old wealthy man is having an affair. It's stuff that you would be like, sure, okay. That's what they're doing. Yeah. My favorite, though, is the photos of Tyler taking pictures because that just happened. Exactly. As I was watching the movie, I felt like as the courses were being served, the chef and the restaurant staff were trying to create situations that would make these people be at their worst. So serving a split, what is it, remoulade or like something to the food critic. Oh my gosh, that was so great. And then as soon as she complains about it, they're like, here's more and here's more and here's a whole bowl of it. 
Yeah, and it's worse every time. <laughs> and telling Tyler, almost specifically at the beginning, no photos. And they, Elsa, the host, she's watching him take photos every time. And he's like so blatant about it. He doesn't even mute his phone. No. I was like, at least mute it so that you're trying to hide it. Mm-hmm. So I felt like each of these courses were really kind of engineered for the people to bring out their worst qualities. If by this point in the meal, it hadn't already, now they're being confronted with the fact that they're kind of being blackmailed. Now it's really ramped it up. Fourth course is bonkers. We're done now with the idea that this could potentially just be a meal. It's the mess. I appreciated this, but I wish that they had done this differently in the movie. So in this co- Ooh. in this course, I want to hear how, yeah. They bring out the sous chef who has ambitions to be like chef and does not have the talent, is not good enough, and isn't willing to do the sacrifice that Chef has done to get to this point. And so his punishment, whatever, is to kill himself in front of everyone. And that's the course that is happening. He is kind of presented in front of everybody. There's painters, you know, drop cloth underneath him, plastic hung up behind him, and he pulls out a gun and shoots himself. I was really hoping that he would have pulled out a chef's knife, a paring knife, and like slit his throat. I wanted it to be thematic to working in a kitchen. We introduced a gun into the setting that he shot himself with, and then we never see the gun again, and it didn't feel really tied closely to the kitchen. So that was like my one nitpick about this course. Hmm. Well, I liked that, you know, they actually do bring out food for this course, and I liked that it was pressure-cooked meat. I thought that was very tongue-in-cheek and funny. Really rough. He's good, not great. A terrible thing to end your life knowing. At this point, the patrons don't know that they're all going to die by the end of the night. So you feel a lot of pathos for this guy. His name is like Jeremy. He just had like a almost like a special death. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe that did a little something for him before he, before he died. I mean, it's better than going out Midsomar style, Jesus. This is also the course where the old man loses a finger. Oh my God, yes. Which is funny because it comes back at the end in his gift bag. <laughs> so good. And so both of these really violent things happen. Half of the patrons are totally unfazed, and the other half are freaking the fuck out. There's still this belief that it might be faked, that it could be part of the theater. The food critic mentions the the word theater multiple times until it gets too real to deny it. And so she and I think the actor is like, oh, maybe it's a squib. You know, that was really convincing. And Margot is horrified, of course. Tyler is just like, oh, my God, this is delicious. I wrote down, Tyler, what are you doing? Oh, my God. (laughs) Tyler was so funny in this movie. He drove me crazy. We'll find out why. But uh, he's killing me at this point, just ignoring everything going on and talking about how good the food is. But this is when people start to buy into what's happening because we do get a nice weak attempt to break out of 
the building with a chair. It does absolutely nothing. The chair doesn't break. The glass doesn't break. It doesn't even crack. It does nothing. And this is our palate cleanser. The palate cleanser is just a tea drink. This is where we again see Tyler. Tyler, this whole (laughs) movie, such a fucking bootlicker to this chef. He idolizes him. He's just fawning over him. We've watched a man get killed. We watched a man get his finger chopped off. They obviously can't escape. And Tyler's like, but is this bergamot that I'm detecting in the tea? (laughs) Chef invites questions and Tyler goes right to the food. He's such a fucking idiot. I love him. He is. It's a very fun character. It'd be a fun character to play. Totally. And this is also where we see angel investor we get a saw trap right in the middle of this movie except there is no escaping yeah it was kind of hinted at earlier when Margot takes a cigarette break in the bathroom that something weird is happening because you see someone being dragged with angel wings and you see this is a saw trap it totally is this guy suspended outside of the restaurant over the ocean with angel wings and then they're forced to watch him submerge into the ocean and drown oof that's rough yeah really awful death so we have the final course but there's still other courses ahead the next course is man's folly and there is another story behind this and it does involve another sous chef Mm -hmm. they take them outside for what they say is some fresh air chef tells this story about how he tried to seduce the sous chef, right? Weird. He he was one of those guys. Yeah. And so he's acknowledging how bad it was and invites her to stab him in the thigh with the scissors, just like he did to his dad. It's like this weird, almost gender commentary that they're trying to do with this, because then they say, we're going to give the men, not the women, but the men, a chance to escape from the island. And then one of the men just takes off running. And so they don't get he to- He does f- not even wait to finish. They, he, they don't get to hear what happens if they're caught. I was really hoping because I was like, this is a horror movie. So I really want them to be like brutally maimed when they're found. <laughs> yeah, I was surprised by the way this all went down also. They basically just drag them back. There's nothing, I'm guessing it's just an exercise in escape is futile. Mm -hmm. I can say that. I did want more blood, (laughs) wanted more blood with this course, but I did like that. There's actually two sorts of meals worked into this course. There's the course itself and the last guest to be caught gets a special treat a special Passard treat. And of course, we all probably know who this is, who it would be. It's Tyler. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's Tyler. Of course. So he gets a special treat because he hid in the hen house. With the title of this course, Man's Folly, I guess it is their folly to think that they are smarter than whatever machinations are happening on this island. Chef thought that he could engineer a romantic situation with one of his direct reports. It's just men being stupid. Well, what's funny about that is this line, man's folly. I I don't think it's 
meant to be used in the gendered form, men, man, you know, I think it's meant to be mankind, talking about mankind's folly. Mm -hmm. They change it to focus on the males in the group because I think of what Chef has done. Yeah, the men go off running like a bunch of idiots and the women are, they go inside and they have their, their meal. It's super funny the way they try. I think the women were on the right track, but of course it's not going to work. They try to appeal to this poor, abused sous chef by telling her how good her food is. Um, they're fawning over it. They they just can't get enough. It's so good. And and they try to use that as a as a way to get leverage to get out. You know, I'll help you start a business, the critic says. And she's like, no, actually, this was my idea. I wanted everyone to die. <laughs> it's like, man, these guys are fucked. Yeah. Everybody is is going through their own folly, even the women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no out for anybody. My favorite course is next, and that is Tyler's bullshit. Oh I could gosh. watch this scene over and over. <laughs> I <laughs> thought it was so remarkably cruel in such a specific way. <laughs> And I know I could not stop laughing. I know that they say that it was unplanned. And so Chef apologizes for it. And I'm like, there's no way whatever Tyler came up with was unplanned, but almost certainly they were thinking that they were gonna make Tyler make something. And of course, oh, definitely. And of course it was gonna be a disaster. <laughs> Nobody likes a foodie. He fucking sucks. It's so funny. He's sitting there like chopping up leeks and butter and onions and everybody is watching they are invited to come and watch this demonstration of this meal preparation and Tyler's a fucking jackass he's he's read up on food he tastes food but he doesn't know how to make food he he doesn't know how to work under pressure he's not a chef he's this is not what he's cut out for I love when he's chopping up the onions and the shallots and chef goes oh this is this is a new uh, method of chopping that that our chef is introducing us to you know he says something like this and it's just Tyler being a jackass with a knife it's so funny there's this recurring bit that happens involving this kitchen tool called a Paco jet and Tyler at the very beginning he says oh this was used with the Paco jet or he's like talking to the sous chef and he's like oh did you use a Paco jet for this and so, of course, when Tyler is cooking, Chef says, oh, would you like us to bring out the Paco Jet and perhaps you can try and shove the lamb into it? <laughs> it's just so mean. <laughs> it's like catty. And the title card for it is hilarious. It just says poorly prepared lamb, mm-hmm. inedible sauce. It was like complete lack of cohesion, I think, was like the last yes. like part. It was so good. Yes. Undercooked lamb. That's what it was. Undercooked. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a mess. Yeah. That was my favorite. And then it's so great that chef sends him away and he basically just hangs himself. He's so ashamed of his horrible meal. (laughs) Last on the list is dessert. It's last on the list, but we do get the supplemental course before. We do. The supplemental course is incredibly clever by our final girl, Margot. At this point in the movie, we've learned that Margot is actually an escort. And so Chef has invited her to basically die with the have-nots. Come with us to the kitchen. You're one of us. You're a service provider. 
Come die with us. This is probably her best bet to get out alive is to play along. She has been sent away to get a barrel for dessert. Comes back. She has not followed the directions. And she is now with the halves because she's going to die with them. And she has this really great trick up her sleeve that she pulls out to make sure that she gets out of this place alive. Yeah, she at this point has, as you said, you know, not been playing along. She's been pushing back and scoffing at everything happening and looking on abject horror as things have been happening. And so at this point, when she knows that she's going to die with the way things are currently going, that if she plays by the rules that are established as part of the cultural exchange of fine dining, that she can get an out. And she does this by sending her food back. She says to the kitchen, this isn't acceptable. None of this is enjoyable. I'm hungry. You haven't actually fed me. And so I want real food. And she taps into something clever that she found in Chef's house, which she's looking at all of his accolades and awards on the wall. And she sees one happy photo of him. And it was way back in the 80s. He was a burger chef who was employee of the month. And he just looks youthful and joyful. And she pulls that little memory back in and she says, I want a cheeseburger. Don't fuck with it. Just make it a good classic American cheeseburger. I mean, that's what I would want. I really love watching Chef cook this because it's the first time we see him smile. He actually looks happy preparing this. I also love how he brings it out on a paper plate. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how the man has paper plates, but <laughs> he was able to do it. Yep. And she asks how much it's going to be. It's $9.95. She leaves him a 10. <laughs> Five cent tip, which I love. That's fair. <laughs> the service was not great today. She asks for the rest to go in a doggy bag, and they give it to her and let her leave. She is the only person who is treating the dining experience as a dining experience as not just something that you're receiving from this renowned chef, but something that has like an equal exchange between a patron and a restaurateur. And so she's allowed to leave and everyone else is just kind of like, Oh, okay, good for you. We're going to stay here and die. I was a little surprised by that. <laughs> I was like, is everyone going to try this now? But by this point in the movie, we've kind of hit this mark where the movie is no longer literal at all. It's very symbolic of the way they kind of just accept their fate. Mm -hmm. Everybody except her has accepted their fate. They're like, yeah, we kind of see where you're coming from. At some point, they all kind of give this impression. So they, they stay for dessert. And it is an elevated classic of the s'more. Unethically sourced chocolate. What was it? Gelatin? What what is what is trapped inside the gelatin? What does he say? Yeah, I don't remember either. But it's just him like dunking on how much he hates the s'more and how he's able to transform base ingredients via fire. And at that point, you're like, oh, OK, this is how they're all going to die. Ugh. Which is not fair, really, when you think about it. He makes a point of saying earlier in the movie how he's able to hold a cast iron skillet without 
it bothering him. A hot cast iron skillet. And he reaches into what is it? It's like a fire pit or there's some. Yeah. It's like a wood fired stove almost. It's got like a coal. And he grabs it with his bare hands and starts the fire that way with himself on fire. I think he's the first person to go up in flames. And so I shouldn't have been surprised that he was going to go the route of fire. This just gave me really big Midsommar vibes. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a pretty surreal sequence watching the restaurant staff dress the patrons in these marshmallow capes and chocolate hats adorning the restaurant to look plated with graham cracker crumb and, you know, marshmallow swirls. It's very beautiful before it goes up in flames, but it's, yeah, it takes a very like surreal turn as you're watching them burn to death. And she just watches from the boat while she eats the rest of her cheeseburger and wipes her lips with the menu that was in her goodie bag. So Megan, now that we have looked at all of these courses, did any of the food look good? Yeah, the cheeseburger, duh. It's like my favorite. Well, of course, the cheeseburger. I honestly, to be uh, Mm -hmm. serious here, I wanted to try everything. Everything looked good. Even the stupid bread without bread looked good. So to pick a favorite, the thing on this menu that I would be most interested in trying would be the tacos. And I base that purely on Tyler's reaction to the tortillas. Yeah. I was going to say that everything looks great. I would love to try all of this food except for Tyler's bullshit. And (laughs) the chicken thigh with the scissors stabbed into them looks like it's cooked so well. The chicken thigh looks incredible. I would definitely eat that. I wonder what they would put on my tortillas. I was going to ask you, but then I'm like, no, we don't want to share that stuff. Not on the podcast. (laughs) With our listeners. Sorry, guys. But um, everyone take a second and think, what would be on your tortillas? Could it fit on a tortilla? That's the bigger question. (laughs) Would you be able to eat your taco with your shame on it? When I saw the dessert scene, I got kind of bummed out for a second, Kate, because at my wedding reception, we had s'mores for dessert because Zach and I met at camp. (laughs) So S'mores are delicious. And I think that that's the point. And I think that this is a really excellent segue into what this movie was really about. I mean, this movie was about the food. It was about the horror, but it was really about the social commentary. There were lots of different elements of human nature or society being satirized in this movie. There were. And I felt like the obvious is the elites who can afford this kind of experience. And as mentioned earlier, we have the Novu Rish versus the people who have been entrenched in this culture for a really long time. I think that more so than that, you also have this satirization of the chef himself. Like I think as the movie goes, it's not that he is a perfectly formed antagonist who has a perfect philosophy around why these people should be punished. And I think we see that most clearly in his interaction with Margot. He keeps on trying to pick her apart because she doesn't fit cleanly into one of his two boxes that's ultimately what breaks her out right is that she's able to (laughs) kind of exist outside of these two haves and have-nots yeah he's not 
like Jigsaw. He has his reasons for punishing people. He also kind of sits back and says, Mm -hmm. actually, I am part of the problem, too. Mm -hmm. Everybody is at fault in this movie. Everybody is, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, deserving to die, according to the chef. It's a big message about entitlement. These people who can afford this meal don't actually Mm -hmm. appreciate it for what it is or for what's been put into it. They're very entitled. They, a few of them want a substitution, which does not happen at this place. Tyler constantly is commenting on what he tastes. He's basically taking away the mystery of the meal. The critic is so harsh and picks the meal apart at every step. Mm -hmm. These people are all very entitled. And I think it's easy to be lulled into a sense of thinking, oh yeah, these people should all die for this. Like Jigsaw. And then as you're like jigsaw. thinking through the reasoning, you know, we've got the actor and his assistant. And John Lake was almost like, what did I do? This was my and favorite. He just starred in a movie that the chef really didn't like. A bad movie. And the movie. assistant was able to pay for her Ivy League <laughs> college with no student loans. <laughs> this point in the movie is where truly gets surreal because John Leguizamo's like, oh, yeah, that's fair. You know, right before he's like, what about her? He's like, oh, yeah, I I see that. You know, this is where they are Mm -hmm. like, oh, we deserve this. Watching this movie literally, that's a very silly take. That's a very cartoonish, childish way to think about the wrongdoings of people. You know, people, people are people. But if you stop thinking about this as a literal movie at this point and think about all of these people as representatives of a shitty concept or a shitty behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They deserve to die. They're not real. It's a shitty mm-hmm. thing that people do that needs to stop. I like that message being sent through this movie. If you step back and not take it literally, it's... Sure. Like a burning down of the ideas rather than actually eating the rich, just dismantling the system that's allowing this to happen, right? I mean, Chef doesn't just kill the patrons. He kills his entire staff himself and burns down his restaurant. He's like, everything needs to go, (laughs) which in a broken system, that is probably the most amount of accountability you ever see, right? (laughs) Staring it all down. And Jeremy shoots himself because he cannot have the life that he expected. He knows it's not worth the effort to put in. He sees what has happened to Chef. And I think this movie kind of pokes at, hey, you got to be satisfied. This is your life. Enjoy it. Don't do this to yourself. Don't tear yourself down for this goal. Maybe it's not really telling you direction or whatever, but that's a really common Mm -hmm. thing uh, is to hustle yourself to death. It's not uncommon in America to have that attitude and think, oh, yeah, this this makes me successful, killing myself for my job, for my career. And post-pandemic, I think a lot of people are not feeling that way anymore. And I Mm -hmm. think this kind of touches on that a little bit. I really liked the additional commentary around Margot as a service worker and how service workers recognize other service workers and that she is a sex worker. And she's invited into the space of the restaurant staff to participate in that. And she does not want to play along 
with that game. She is always playing her own game. She's here to survive. I think that it's hard to reconcile like how her role specifically fits into the overall metaphor. I think that it's clever that she's using the established conventions and rules of this world to get out of it. She's not dismantling the system. She's not burning it down. She's not killing people to get out of it. She is just playing along and that's how she survives. Which I mean, in capitalism, if this is like a critique of capitalism, it's kind of what you have to do. Yeah. And I think if we're talking about what saved Margot, I think also just Chef's sympathy for her. Maybe sympathy, kinship, because they're both in the same type of community. I think it just softened him towards her as well. I think it made him really happy to see her play the role of a customer, just a normal customer who wants to eat and enjoy their food and who is appreciative. And she does all those things. She ticks all those boxes. Food didn't satisfy her. She sent it back. She got a burger and loved it and was appreciative and took the rest of it with her. She didn't waste it. Mm -hmm. I agree. She's a very clever character. Who do you think is the most deserving of their death? I think the old man. I can't remember his name. But the old man who's there with his wife, he's been there like 11 times. Can't remember any of the meals. I don't think he deserves it for those reasons. I get that. You know, he's jaded. What I think he deserves it for is that comment that Margot makes about him visiting her and wanting her yeah. to be his daughter. Dark. <laughs> we see him really shy away from her table. He doesn't even want to look over there. The wife notices her staring and she's like, she looks like Claire. And he freaks out. He's like, no, she doesn't. She doesn't look anything like Claire. Claire's their daughter. And he picked her because she looks like his daughter. It's so gross, Kate. So I was like, yeah, this guy can go. I don't like this guy. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I'm a hundred percent in agreement. <laughs> that was gross. What about the least deserving, Kate? Why don't you take us there? I feel like there were some ancillary characters who ended up dying that were not really deserving of dying. I think about Chef's mom, who he's just plying with wine. She's constantly drinking wine. He's not serving her any of the food. I mean, maybe he's giving her a kindness by making her just so drunk that she won't feel her death <laughs> at the end. But I felt, I felt really bad yeah. that his mom was just getting dragged into this too. Yeah. And she didn't put up a fight. She didn't say anything. And she must have known this was coming. I'm so curious. I've got to know what convinced her to play along, to come to the island, to yeah, it's sit terrible. there and take this. I will say maybe the only other person who also deserved to die was Tyler, who was being told for eight solid months that he was going to die. And he was like, at least I'll get a really yes. good meal before I die. And also I'll hire a sex worker. Before the sex worker, he was going to take his girlfriend. I'm, what a douche. I wonder if that's why she broke up with him. I was thinking that too. I wonder if she found it. But you'd think if somebody saw that they'd report it. But I don't know. I was also wondering the same thing. Yeah, he's, he's a fuckstick. He deserved it too. <laughs> so what do you think, Kate? Is this a true horror movie? You know, I really struggled because... I think that there are a lot of elements that make this a horror movie. Um, so I will 
give it the horror stamp. I didn't find it scary at all. Yeah, there's no jump scares. There's no real gore. It's all very quick. Well, even apart from that, when we talk about what makes something a horror, like if you go back and listen to our horror comedy season, we talk a lot about what tips it over the edge into horror, and it's the amount of tension. And I do think Mm -hmm. that they are building tension as the movie goes, but there is so many times where the tension is either pulled back or the way it pays off is just not scary or like horrifying to like just be on the nose about it. The messaging is really the star of the show here. Mm -hmm. And it makes you laugh and think. And so you don't really have time to be scared. At some point, you're rooting for these people to escape because we always do. We always root for the victim to escape. And they do get a shot at escape, or so they think. And you think, okay, so they're going to be all right. They're going to get out of this island. And it turns out it's a trick. This guy, this chef is just wearing them down mentally. Mm -hmm. And that part is a bit horrifying. Mm -hmm. The idea of you are now being fucked with. You think you're going to have an escape and it's just taken away from you like that Mm -hmm. real quick. This is now the second time they have thought they could get away. The first was when they were sent running during that final course. And the second time is when Margot finds what she thinks is a radio to contact the Coast Guard, who turns out to be just another sous chef, Yeah, (laughs) which was very funny. But yeah, it's not it's not a true horror. It's more, it's a horror comedy. Mm-hmm. What I found the piece of this movie that they don't really go into a whole lot, but they, they do touch on it that I find horrifying in real life is the idea of working in a goddamn kitchen. That looks awful. Oh my gosh. I know it is something that we are like aware of. And there's so much media these days. I don't know if you guys saw The Bear, but it was an incredible piece of television around working back of house in a kitchen. And the grind culture is just so prevalent and working as kitchen staff is so intense. You get this really weird tension between these high-end chefs that are getting feature films made about them or documentaries made about them. And the level of prestige and accolades that they get versus the people who are grinding it out every single day, you know, 20 hour days to make that happen is just crazy. So, yeah, that kind of hustle life is just really taken for granted in a kitchen. It's taken for granted by the customers. Mm -hmm. It I, I watched The Bear recently and it's a stressful show to watch. I'm always sweating and nervous and they do that on purpose through the music and through the cinematography and just the craziness of the kitchen. And despite their efforts to be organized and in sync, it just feels like a madhouse the entire time you're watching that show. I've also kind of seen that on some of these really toxic cooking reality shows. It just seems like a lot of screaming and pressure and nobody feels good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to share a link on our blog to some Reddit commentary on it. You know, that people ask questions about what's it like working in a kitchen? And the answers are pretty 
unanimously like, don't do it if you're going to do it to make money because you won't. Top chefs make maybe 150K, maybe. And that's rare. I can't imagine. You'd have to be so passionate about it to put up with that crap, which is mentioned in this movie. Mm -hmm. And it still isn't good enough. Yeah, it is. I think in terms of scariness, it's not frightening, but it is scary to think about how cult-like the attitude around Chef is and how brainwashed all of Mm -hmm. his staff are in support of the mission, right? Which is just the restaurant. The restaurant is the mission. The vision is the mission. And it feels like a cult when you're watching it. I thought that the totally. I thought that there was going to be so many gotchas in this movie that never came to fruition. I thought there was going to be cannibalism. I thought that when that sous chef committed suicide, that they were going to have to eat him. I thought they're going to have to eat Tyler. I just kept on waiting for them to eat somebody. <laughs> you're the cannibal. I before before we realized that the guests were the ingredients. I kept thinking that they were going to be absorbed into this cult somehow, right? Mm -hmm. Like I thought it was going to be an escape from the cult type of movie. And it's just scary food. (laughs) Yeah. Although maybe short on real scares, this was a stellar movie. It was so good. Ooh, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. This is a great one. A lot of fun things to think about and cool food. Now I want to like go back and take screenshots of all of it and tell Zach to make it for me. (laughs) This was a really great entry into our new release category. And I'm so glad we got to watch it together, Kate. Me too. And as Chef said, the theme of the coursed dinners are usually revealed after the completion of the meal. And so now that you have all watched this movie, hopefully, and listened to this episode. Tell us, what do you think the theme was of the dinner? Leave a comment on our socials and stay tuned for our next ghost movie and our upcoming new movies too. See you in two weeks for We Are Still Here. This was not quite dead. Check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at notquitedeadpodcast and on Twitter at nqd underscore podcast. Follow our blog for bonus content at notquitedeadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And happy watching. <laughs>